0: John, you remember when Mark Benioff bought into Fitbit and they made a big deal out of it? Yeah. What do you What do you think about Fitbit?
1: Actually, I like Fitbit. You do?
0: Well, yes, yeah, interesting. I do. You just wanted to use that, huh? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't think of a good way to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Fitbit is not <clears throat> bad. Mm. Yeah. Also, uh, let's see. Um, what else do I have here? The uh, I got some things on the cloud. About the this cloud one? is kind of BS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about SaaS? When I talk about cloud, like I don't even think about SaaS. No. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Of the course, pla- there, there's there's always my pet peeve. People
0: are not resources. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> we <laughs> go, we've, we've overused
1: the word <laughs> cloud. Definitely. You think so? It's it's become this kind of go to easy buzzword answer. Did I die? No. Somehow you <laughs> uploaded yourself to
0: the cloud. No, that's yeah. that's that's an oldie but goodie. Yeah. <laughs> The
1: cloud, man. Oh, you upload yourself to the cloud. My favorite is when we're in a meeting and people are talking about Salesforce. Well, where's the data store? Because we're talking integrations. They're like, "Eh, it's in the cloud. Don't worry about it. Uh, Well, well, how's it stored? How do I get data in and out? It's in the cloud, man. Just chill.
0: Well, the the joke is, of course, (laughs) you know what cloud means, right? Yeah. Cloud just means someone else's computer. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it.
0: (laughs) And it might be just as a piece of junk as yours is, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah cloud
1: we should cloud everything and then we can make lightning and thunder references
0: i'm getting i'm getting texts here about so the other night i made a it was sunday night sarah was tired i was like okay i'll make dinner because i've i used to i mean i'm a i'm a pretty good cook i used to cook all the time yeah but you know what is five five or six years ago when sarah decides to stay home with you know since we're starting to produce offspring um, she cooks, she does almost all the cooking now and, and too much. I mean, actually, honestly, I should, I should cook more than I do. But anyway, I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll cook. So I went to the store, was like look at what they had and they had a, that's a nice looking tri-tip and like, I hardly ever cook tri-tip, but I, I've done it before and it's, you know, you ever cook tri-tip?
1: I'm trying to remember what tri-tip is. It's a,
0: it's a cut of, I guess, steak, but it's, like it's the end cuts. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know. anatomically, like what part of the cow it's from, honestly, I don't know. Okay. But I can characterize it for you if you'd like I me to. I thought it was
1: like the leftovers of like a certain cut, but like there's like a tail end of it and they cut that. No. I don't know. Let's consult the most accurate website in the world. In case in case you guys didn't know, we transitioned to food. Yeah. <laughs> we are now a food-centric podcast. No.
0: No. Really? Oh, here we go. Um, tri-tip is a cut of beef from the bottom sirloin subprimal cut. It is a small triangular muscle. Usually, this is usually 1.5 to 2.5 pounds. In my experience, I've seen them 2 to 3 pounds. And there's one per side of beef, so each, each cow has two.
1: That's funny. You spoke words, but they meant nothing to me.
0: Blah, 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 blah. No, where does the meat come from? Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, exactly. Where does <laughs> it come from? From the bottom sirloin subprimal cut. It still means nothing to it. Well, there's a... Okay, a subprimal cut is just a type of it's a. it's smaller than the prime or bigger than the prime, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I assume the, sub from, it's would it's from be the bottom sirloin. Right? No, it's just it's from the bottom sirloin. So you flip over the prime and cut the cut the underside? No, no, a prime cut. Do you know what a prime cut is? No, I,
1: I don't know what this all buzzwords to me. Even the meat industry okay, okay. has buzzwords. Well, they have
0: they have cloud meat. <laughs> <laughs> is that kind of like the pink goo? <laughs> <laughs> You remember the pink goo? Yes, I remember the pink goo. You know what? And I am pro pink goo. Are you? Yes. It's a quality product. I mean, I got to say. It's just, it all it is this meat. It's a little of, flecks of of meat that don't necessarily get deboned mm-hmm. when they're cutting it. And so they, they have some process by which they can scrape all these flecks of, it's just meat, the same stuff you would be eating, but they're also small. They combine it, and when you combine, combine them together, there's this pink goo. And it's like, okay, it's kind of weird. It's not like, a, a solid big muscle anymore, but it's still food. It's still beef.
1: Can't be any worse than growing meat for the
0: purposes of eating oh, it. That would not. That like was in gross. A lab? Yeah, that was gross. They do that. Have you seen? I you know, Remember I that? Saw yeah, that? That's not good. I do not recommend that product. But no, tri-tip is good. It's, it's fairly marbled. It's got good flavor to it. You just don't, as with most beef, don't overcook it. Right? You know, medium at the most. Mm-hmm. I Almost overcooked. It. it came out like medium. I wanted it medium rare, but I did that, and I made a chimmy, a fresh, from scratch chimichurri sauce which is hmm. an Argentinian thing, I think. But it's basically parsley, olive oil, some vinegar, tons of fresh garlic, right? Right. And I, did, I put in some hot red, hot red pepper flakes and salt and pepper, but I just got a text from Sarah and she's like, yeah, I'm eating the, I eat some of that chimichurri sauce again for lunch. And she says, it just gives me the worst breath. It does. I had bad <laughs> breath the next day because there was so much garlic in it. Really? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'm sure she would appreciate me relaying that story. That's Okay. What your wife. Has but no, bad tri-tip's breath. good. So okay, I'm looking in the I'm looking in the beef case, and you know all the steaks are twelve to 15, 19 bucks a pound, right? And tri-tip's in there, six ninety nine a pound, hmm. which for this grocery store I was in, which is kind of a rip off store, it was not. That's it was cheap. You know, you go to Costco or Sam's Club, it's probably going to be a couple bucks less than that. So it's a really good deal. And one of them, I got. I was feeding six people. Now, granted, two of them were kids, but six people and. We had you know food left over from this one tri-tip Just cook it, the whole thing one at a time, and then you just slice it on the bias, and everyone gets like a few you know mm-hmm. slices. Put a little pink goo on it, and there you <laughs> go. Garnish tri-tip with, tartar. Garnish with fresh pink goo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I got to remember to keep take take it easy on my my noise. I'm inducing into the microphone. Hey, you got a new microphone you want to talk yeah, about? That? That's you kinda know, inside baseball boring stuff. Okay. I haven't experimenting. We normally use these Heil mics and I'm I've got a, a shure that I'm playing with. But I need a I don't have a shock mount for it. It really does, contrary to their marketing. Not that I'm not used to having to <laughs> read through marketing BS, but it they it does need a uh, it does need a shock mount. So you may hear some little booms and whatever. I'll try to be good though. All right, so what's uh, what's new, John? How's it going? A uh, big storm last night. That was fun. Yeah, another storm it left both like, of us
1: tired because our kids had yes. climbed into bed with us.
0: Yeah, my, this this whole day for me has just been a complete wash, except for at least getting to report record the podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go home and take a nap, and then try to do some work to make up for today. But yeah, uh-huh. I'm tired,
0: and I'm, bott- I'm bottling a beer tonight, so I'm not gonna be taking any naps. Oh yeah. Now we we you know we we lost power for. From between ten and two until two in the morning. Of course, power comes on in the morning, and I was still awake. I mean, everyone everyone was still awake, but you know, all the lights come on and noise. Everything starts beeping, and
1: <laughs> can't believe this <you. laughs> one storm. Just, I mean, I at least slept. I mean, we it, w- it was late when we finally fell asleep, but we at least got some sleep this morning. But to hear that your entire house was just a wide awake all night.
0: Crazy. Well, n- not not my youngest, not my three-year-old. He was asleep. Okay, But my six-year-old, no, he comes down and I was like, okay, getting, you know, getting bad with us. Actually, I was on the couch. I'm like, I'm not even going to try to, because he, here's the problem. He'll sit there and toss and turn and sniffle. He was, he was awake for that entire four-hour period of time. Kids, man. I mean, <laughs> I don't ask, I have no answers. <laughs> I don't understand them. Kids blind <laughs> yeah. to never sleep again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's the things they don't tell you about, huh? They don't. But I do have a question related to this for you. This is, a, and this is an Ask John. Another Ask John. I need an Ask John. Uh, a jingle? <laughs> yeah. So when the power went out, I've got at, at least five different... Some of them are the same model, but some are different. UPSs. Uninterruptible power supplies. Mm-hmm. And so when the power goes out, you know, they're all... Do, do, do. No, every, what is it, 30 seconds, something like that. And they're all from, this. these are all from the same manufacturer, and some of them are the same model, but n- literally none of them are on the same, like, tempo, and they're also, they're all off by about a quarter tone. Why are they not the same pitch? <laughs> I don't know. It is, it's, it's the most jarring. Are they jarring- different brands? No, they're all they're APC.
1: All, they're all same brand yeah. and everything? Huh. You think they just, like, recycled the tone?
0: I mean, it, it's worse than like, you know, what is it, like drip water drip torture, hearing these things. You just need to, to
1: organize it in a way to where it plays some music, you
0: know, you just... They sh- they could at least coordinate it so that it plays like a, you know, a, a major third or a major yeah. chord or something.
1: There you go. Sure, so you can go in there and tweak it.
0: <laughs> yeah, instead, <laughs> it's like this atonal cacophony. They want it to be annoying.
1: They want you to go in there and, and address the situation. I
0: guess so. Oh, so so we have no answer. And maybe that. the
1: different tones help help you identify which one is making the noise.
0: Well, maybe it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to scare you and get you to get up and do something. Of course, what I did same. is I get up and turned them all off because the sound was driving me crazy. So, in other words, you got
1: them in case the power goes out, but because the power went out, they were annoying, so you turned them off anyways.
0: Well, I sh- I was able to shut everything down that they were plugged into first, and then I turned them off. Oh, okay, but even on, like on our TV, our, our TV, our satellite receiver. I've got a Mac mini for a home theater PC, like all that stuff. I was able to turn that, get all that turned off safely. And then I turned off the, the UP, UPS. That's what they are, right? Yeah. I had none of uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I just have a bunch of surge protectors and everything went off. You have
0: better power than I do.
1: Well, I mean, our power went off like three times and that's worse than it just going off. It's it's the, the cycling that it
0: did on all those things. I still have to go back through and check everything, but we need a, we need a breaking news jingle. I don't have one, so I'm just gonna read this. It's kind of kind of breaking news. I just saw this. A dead body was just discovered on Apple's campus. What? Yeah. Are you make you being serious? I'm being serious. That's weird. Um, let's see. Police investigating after dead body found at Apple headquarters. I heard it was a man. I saw this a minute ago. Um, come on. A potential suicide in a, like a, in a meeting room. But then I also read on something else, uh, that they were, there was, people saw a woman being taken out, escorted out by security. And then she sustained a head wound, which may have been a gunshot wound. Like, well, who, I don't know. Drama at the uh, Apple campus. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. A male employee was found dead. No suspects are being sought. Um, there's no one else at risk.
1: Well, that's sad news. You really yeah. brought, brought things know, down sorry. with that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we talk about Apple, so I think I thought it was somewhat related. Although, I, you know, since we're talking about Apple, maybe people have some suggestions for me. But, you know, Sarah has been in the market for a new computer. She's got an old MacBook Air. And she's, you know, I would say she's not, she's not like a programmer. She doesn't run virtual machines, so she's got a relatively basic. But she does do, you know, some serious spreadsheet stuff now and then, or whatever. Um, but I want to replace that error. and I've been waiting for these MacBooks, the the new MacBook, the one with the one port, mm-hmm. to come out with the revved version, so it had like Skylake and whatever, and that's out now. But I'm hearing things, you know, that make me making me question this because you know they have the M processor, so it's a I mean, the good thing about it is that that's a very low power processor. Right. But it's also lower performance. Um, And people are just saying, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not even on par with MacBook Airs that you would be used to, not to mention a MacBook Pro or whatever. And I know it's but not. Jeremy, even, it comes in rose gold. It does. Although she doesn't want the rose gold. I'm just saying. She wants I mean, gold. She wants gold? Yeah. The gaudy gold. Yeah, I know. That's what I said too. <laughs> But you you know I asked you about this a minute ago and you said, "Oh, I think it's okay. You think it's okay." Cuz for the type of user she is, she well, probably I mean, wouldn't notice or it's not it's not a big yeah, deal. I mean, I mean I
1: think I think if you're not trying to run anything massive or play games on it or you know, like you said virtual machines, it's 8 gigs is going to be enough. I mean, 3 years ago 8 gigs is what we we were spec'd out as, you know, maxed out at. And now we're at 16.
0: Yeah, I I um that's what I that's my thought too. I mean, I'm not buying that computer because it's the highest performing, you know, like we were talking about, you know, two inch thick Alienware. Right. You know, it needs to perform well, but it's got, it's got, they just rev the SSD. It's like the latest, new, fastest interface to SSD. And you know, that,
1: that's a big thing. That, that more than anything improved performance for me. I mean, I could notice performance, really big performance when, when it came to SSD over any other technology that came out to improve performance. Yeah. Over CPU, oh, yeah. over memory, the, the SSD really... Shined when it came to performance, but
0: it's got I think eight gig of RAM. It's and here's the really to me the important thing. She'll now have a Retina screen. I mean there should I don't mm-hmm. want to see a non Retina screen in the rest of my life. They don't exist. They're dead to me. You low deep low DPI screen. You have a Retina TV to me. at home. I okay. mean it's 1080p, and if you sit far enough back, it's essentially Retina. Isn't you can't Retina you can't better see than 1080p. Pixels.
1: The pixel density.
0: you have to take there's 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 an additional no there's additional dimension which is how far you are from the device Mm. so for example iPhone retina is much higher density than MacBook Pro retina because you're farther away you can hold your phone up to your you know about 10 inches from your face these are first world issues Jeremy they are that's that's the world I live in so these are (laughs) the issues I deal with and I don't feel bad about it (laughs) Uh. your guilt trips will not work on me Mr. DeSantiago I keep trying though. I know. You'll always try. Um so yeah, so we asked oh, let's talk about Slack, I guess for a minute. Well, our, we so our Slack has been uh we got we got some people. We got some uh some members, some team members. Yeah. Which is cool. Been sending out trying to keep on top of the invites
1: as they come in and
0: So if you haven't joined yet and you're you're interested in hanging out and joining the discussion, then
1: I th- I think w- one part of it is that maybe not everyone's familiar with Slack. I mean, I think I think people who have joined initially are kind of well aware of Slack and how how to use it and how, you know what options are available but I mean it's very much just a communication tool. It's available as a web application. It's there's an app for your phone that you can download and there's a desktop app that you can download as well for Mac, Windows and I think Linux.
0: Yeah. No, that's cool. Um but we we got some you know some topic suggestions. So I would like to uh, go over one or two of those. So first thing is people do want an update on John's super secret app.
1: It is still super secret. No,
0: I'm behind and this comes from, I'm feeling the pressure of
1: being behind because these last couple of weeks I've been sick, tired, overworked trying to get stuff done. Um, So I'm really hoping in May I'll I'll be able to do some significant updates to it. In fact, I'm probably going to take a couple of days off work just to kind of, reset my brain and also kind of work on it a little bit more and get past some hurdles that I have. So that's the update.
0: So not <laughs> <laughs> I've made zero progress since uh, last time because I've really right, been extremely so, busy. What, and what and are we still on target for was it mid June? Is that what it was? End of June. End of <laughs> Don't shorten it on me. End of June.
1: I, actually you know I said just, I have something I'm just, I'm just said,
0: being a typical client here, Don. I'm I'm not squeezy for everything I can. I said I'm gonna try.
1: I said I would have something to announce by end of June. At least, at least, ready to put in your hands that you can try it by end of June. Anyway, so
0: this that question came to us from Stephen Noe.
1: Is it Noe or No? It's
0: Noe. Oh. All right. Well, we'll ask you about it next week. We're trying to keep you on your toes, you know. No, I appreciate it. Listen, no, and we, you know, if if this is you know something that you decide you're not going to do, that's fine too. If, no, it's while something I you, while very you very want much the, want. To the do. peer, what's it called? Pressure, right? Pressure. Or the yeah? And then yeah. we're gonna give it. But yeah, keep the pressure. You that on. I need it. I thrive in it. Yeah. Well, it can help. Um, let's see. I gotta do some texting, some live texting. Uh, all right. What's next? I wanted to talk to you about Informatica Cloud <laughs> because we were talking about that earlier, and I had to use Informatica Cloud. I want to say it was a few oh, that's years right. ago. Yeah. Okay. It was a few years ago, and I was shocked at how limited it was. How but it limited? was, you know, that was the thing that they were, had on the App Exchange, right? The, <laughs> which, if you ask some of these guys, is like, you know, it's the the best way to deliver enterprise apps, and you know, they're changing with the digital transformation. You know, what are all the? I need a I need a buzzword bingo chart so I can get all these out. You know, oh, yeah. whatever. But this was the, this is what they were making available on the App Exchange, the Informatica Cloud, right? And I'm trying to build this integration, and turns out that, you know, just the most basic stuff you couldn't do. I mean, if your source data was already prepped, transformed, and completely matched what your destination format was, maybe it would go... Maybe you could actually use Informatica Cloud for that. But if it required anything else, any kind of lookups, any kind of transformation... I won't say any, because you could do super... Really, really basic things, but... You know, it just wouldn't work. And you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you had to take a look at it the other day, right? Had to use it for something or try to? Yeah,
1: because my story behind, behind Informatica is I was doing a lot of integrations a few years ago and so we started trying to learn these tools. We tried to learn, um, Informatica was one of them. What was the other one?
0: Pervasive. Pervasive. Pervasive was pretty powerful. Now, it would, I mean, some of its tools were, aesthetically were uh, not super pleasing to me. Yeah. But-, but ultimately, I
1: kind of decided, you know what, this is not a world I want to make my day-to-day life. I do not want to sit here and use these tools to build integrations. It's just not my thing. If you yes. want something custom, come to me. I will build it. Yeah. But, you know, if you want me to use these tools, I'm not your guy.
0: You don't want to sit around building Informatica integrations and no, eat, I don't. Eat, eating pink goo? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but recently, like you said, we had a client um, who had access to Informatica Cloud, and they already had some stuff built on it, and they had this new integration they wanted to get. But they they, they were very, there was no connector for it. But there was a REST service that we could communicate with, and so we thought, okay, we'll give it a shot. We'll try it out, and we really quickly. And maybe it's just my lack of knowledge of the tool. Maybe there's someone out there can say, oh yeah, here's how you do that. But from what I saw, I couldn't do it. You can configure your endpoints, your target, and your destination, but they were very simplistic. You could do, you could set up, you know, basic OAuth authentication and things like that. But when it came to like custom authentication, I couldn't find a way to do it. Mm. Basically, we ping, we do, what we there's a login method to that REST service that we call. We get, we get a token back that's in the message body, not in the header, and I was like, okay, well, how do I take this and then start my next transaction to make this actual service call with the session header that we just got, or with the token? Yeah. And I just I just couldn't figure out a way to do it. There was mm. no way to kind of set up this kind of chain of activities with it. It was basically a very, a, an online data loader, in my opinion. Yeah. But again... I I haven't used the tool in a long time. I'm not really familiar with it. I haven't really explored or tried to do a lot with it. But at least with the basic REST connector, I, I couldn't find a way to do that. And that seems like something it should be able to do yeah, at the I mean, very least.
0: Again, I'm speaking from a position of almost complete ignorance, except for the fact that I did, you know, based on what I saw a few a couple of years ago when I used this, but there were only uh, for the cloud product, there were, you had a choice of maybe three or four types of data sources and like three or four destinations. Mm. I mean, it was v- extremely limited.
1: Yeah, and I thought I heard a few years ago that they were really bringing in a lot of the functionality from Power Center and everything, which is their kind of, you know, big flagship product um, before the cloud. And it can do some really nice stuff. It can do some really powerful stuff. And
0: I'm just not going to scale up on one of these really expensive proprietary integration platforms because, at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, you hit some limitations where you're like, oh my god, if this is just like net or Java or something i could you know this would take me five minutes but instead of having to you know jump through flaming hoops which is going to cost another two weeks and another 20 grand or whatever you know and just it's like this is ridiculous
1: yeah it depends on what you're doing and you know how well supported what you're doing is i mean there's always going to be those edge cases where it just requires something custom
0: yeah and if you know if you if you don't have you know if you're not a really experienced you know, .NET developer, you, you know, you probably don't want to build an integration in dot .NET. You know, you probably should use some tool that you're going to be way more productive on. So, and they have their place. I don't know. I think, I, I'm, I'm I biased. think one of the
1: interesting things about um, cloud is probably its audience. I, I think Informatica Cloud and similar tools target, you know, the smaller businesses on price point because obviously enterprise, they want to push to power center. Yeah. However... The big enterprises, their data is actually easier to integrate because they already have infrastructure built around that. They already have data warehousing built and ways to massage that information before you mo- you start moving it around. However, small businesses they don't have that, so their integration needs typically are much more complex. They require a lot more processing and translation on on the integration side. So I think it's kind of interesting that that they get these tools and market them as these oh these great tools that you can move data in b- between, but they're not rich yeah. in, in terms of you know being able to do those things with it
0: yeah anyway um, well since we were kind of talking about slack I know I'd kind of jump around there but there, I, this just came across speaking of that uh, let's say back to my are you going be distracted by slack I am this is back to my qu- to shut it off while we're recording this is my again my quasi breaking news sound do I have a better breaking news sound do you think I don't know is that it Just go yeah okay <laughs> Uh, Slack is targeting Salesforce now with productivity ambitions. This comes us mm. from Bloomberg. Uh, so Slack, the corporate chat platform, has painted a target on Salesforce as well as SAP, Oracle, and Microsoft with ambitions to one day replace office productivity apps uh, ranging from expense reporting tools to bookkeeping tools. Mm. Their quote here is, uh, Slack is not just a communication tool for teams. It is also an operating system for teams. That's...
1: Uh, I'm so tired I know.
0: of I know. these applications trying to I wonder if they brand want to, themselves as operating systems. Maybe they want to be the Uber for Teams. Well, even
1: Salesforce wants to be the operating system for the cloud. Oh, come on. That was a joke, John. What?
0: The Uber for Teams. I'm know? the Uber of humans, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> that
1: that just, sounds like something they would now? actually market I, themselves as. I know, as. I know. That's
0: what I'm saying. That's what makes it funny. Is it's almost true. <laughs> I missed it because I'm like, yeah, okay. they probably would say that. It's not a joke. So this the same lady, her name's April Underwood It's Slack like, says... Uh, uh, she wants Slack to replace the hundreds of apps that corporations currently use for anything from customer support to human resources. Mm. And he, the, the, you got to keep those resources in check. Oh, you do. Do you Slack for that? Um, you can I'll, see if your resources are slacking. I, I do. I got to say, I do like. I do think Slack has a a nice, um, I don't know, mm. view a view on on people on. I will say on the resources by default. Slack knows you know what knows what time zone you're in. And if you don't change anything, it it knows when you probably should and shouldn't be working. And if someone slacks you, mentions you or whatever, while you are probably away or shouldn't be working, you know, you should be spending time with your family, it'll actually tell them hey, John's marked as a waiver now, probably is not working. Are you sure you want to mention him? Are you sure you want to message him right now? Hmm. And I like that. I guess they're, I mean they're doing little things to promote good communication good
1: communication but how is that going to turn into productivity and resource management
0: Oh, i don't know that's above my pay grade
1: i just i don't see it i don't see it as being i, I know they're struggling to figure out a way to
0: monetize but i i i don't think that's the way to go well, they just monetized by having they just didn't like their uh, it's in here somewhere they're in like their ninth round um yeah that's funding that's not coming up with a valid yeah, or the business model jumping that, down here slack they just completed another, a $200 million investment round. The company's ninth uh, brings their total raised uh, to $540 million, and they're valued at $4 billion. There you go. The new business model today is not getting customers to pay
1: for it, but getting people to pay for it <laughs> for your customers.
0: Absolutely. Well, Just look at Salesforce's model. Just get
1: Elon Musk to pay for everything. and, and Look we'll at Salesforce's because Salesforce's model
0: is to build a $50 billion valuation on zero profits and speculation. And things that don't exist, IoT but clouds. But people and are buying it and they are paying for it. So it's just people. Are, Slack has t- are you kidding me? Slack's been incredibly commercially successful in terms of people are absolutely paying for for Slack. It's I can't think of anything that's been as successful as Slack uh, so fast, so suddenly. I mean, what was the one before the? Uh, why, Chad? What was that? Yammer. Uh, Yammer. I, guess, Yammer. I guess your, Do you your remember definition Yammer, John? Is, your
1: definition of success is different than mine. I think if you're still taking well, venture ha- funding... Ha- haven't
0: the sales forces of the world redefined what success means? If you're still, we're still not taking sh- venture j- funding,
1: j- does that make you successful? We're not, if your funding dried up, are you able to carry yourself? You're thinking like a shareholder.
0: You need to think like a stakeholder. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Slack is uh, being used by 77% of Fortune 500 companies in some way. That's a pretty good number, In man. In some ways they don't know. Oh, they because don't, yeah. people are like, exactly. I hate email. I'm starting this Slack thing and we're going to use it. <laughs> uh, they have 2.7 million active daily users. Of uh, 800,000 paid accounts. Hmm. Um yeah, this they say they're moving to enterprise functions like managing customer relationships and sales tools would be uh be, would be helped by bots. Which are, here's our definition of bots: automated software applications either developed by Slack itself or outside developers like uh, Chris, what's his name? I can't, no, I don't remember his last name from Salesforce that did the little opportunity thing that we talked about mm-hmm. last week. Um, yeah, or outside developers working with its application protocol. Among the 380 applications currently built by Slack's platform, at least half a dozen are bots that can assist in. Well, the Slack bot. Hell, that's the one of the original bots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally called something bot. Um, there's a mis there's a misperception though, that bots always had to involve artificial intelligence. A bot is re- quote, a bot is really just about allowing a human to interact with software through the same channels that they have typically used to communicate with other humans. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I think that's so weird though, to me, because what's the most difficult thing? What, what's the number one problem besides money and marriages? Communication. Okay. So we're talking, we're taking the hardest thing about humans which is communicating with them. And we're saying, hey, let's not have our computers interface with us in a really straightforward way, like, you know, a command line interface or an API or something well-documented and consistent. Let's make them operate like humans do. (laughs) This this is not a step forward. I don't understand this. Slack, please show me my Salesforce opportunities. I mean, really? (laughs) You just log in and see that. I I, mean, I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure there's uses there. Like I said, I'm kind of poking fun. Um, yeah, many envisage messaging apps as the next frontier of e-commerce. That's like this Facebook Messenger. They're trying to turn this into this. I don't know if they envisioned that when they spun off Messenger. I think they were just trying to compete with WeChat and. I think so. Uh, what was the other one we talked about that I couldn't remember the Snapchat? name of? Snapchat. No. Oh, what uh, WhatsApp? Oh, WhatsApp. Yeah, that's not my. I think vocabulary. they were just trying to yeah. compete with those and and also Skype and iMessage or Message. What's it called? Apple has iMessage I Messenger. Mes- no, not Messenger. messenger? And they don't use the word messenger. Oh. I think it's iMessage. Or messages. Anyway. But now, mm-hmm. yeah, mess messaging is everyone is all of a sudden thinking it's going to be this platform for selling things, buying things, getting support. I know it's th- I know it's the new thing and the new fad, but I don't I just don't see it. I, I don't really either. Don't. I don't see it as an as the most efficient way to interface with a computer. I, mean, I think
1: it's a good I think it's a good way for you. For them to provide the API and a way for you to kind of integrate with those services, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be like the new thing that's going to take off and create some kind of new industry out of it. I think it'll, it's just going know. to be just like any other API. You can hook your apps into it. Hopefully, you'll have some good ideas to make it useful and it'll get used. But I think for the most part, people are going to get really tired of the noise.
0: I mean, it is kind of an API. I mean, it's I guess it's an it's, it is an interface of sorts. It's well, just it's like it's like a way of. Prov- you installing an app but into your messenger the funny thing is, it is an interface it's just not a well defined interface you kind of have to poke and prod and ask and talk to it and ask it things and see you have to as a human as the real smart one here the one with intelligence you have to figure out how this thing expects you to communicate with it unless you already know well I mean the technology is in its infancy and that's how you communicate with infants but look at the Amazon Echo which I won't say the name Um, you have to basically I mean there's still so many things I'm like okay I wonder how she would want me to ask this question and I have to poke and prod at her. That's everyday life when you're married. <laughs> to <try> to
1: <laughs> Poking and prodding I, at her? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure out how to say something uh, well, without pissing them off. I know. It's like, I got to ask this question, but if I ask it wrong, I'm going to be on the
0: doghouse. So why are we inviting more of that into our lives? I don't know. I don't either. We, we're we uh we're You know why? Because all the young
1: people developing this technology <laughs> and they're not
0: married yet. That's true. That's the millennials. Yeah. They, they don't want to marry anyway. What are they called? Late bloomers or yeah. a failure to start all that Pretty stuff? Soon they're yeah. going to get
1: married and they go, oh, crap. Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Communication. I think we need to bring back the WTF of the week. And I think that should be more consistent. We need, we need, I mean, there's so many, the, the the field is so rich with opportunities for WTFs of the week. And um, so I have one. Do you? Yeah, and so this one is, uh, it's based on an idea, on the idea exchange, which is part of the success community, hmm. if you've never heard of such a thing. But you're an MVP, so you, you know about these things. It's from Mary Garland, and it's called Rating Knowledge Articles. And the idea here is to allow users to rate knowledge articles more than once. Currently, a user is only able to rate an article once, and they can't re-rate it. Hmm. They can't unrate it. Even if the article has changed and a new version is out and it has been improved because knowledge does support versioning of, of articles. And I discovered this because I was implementing kind of an abstraction on top of the rating system. And I realized that I couldn't, users can't unrate, they can't change their rating. And I was, I was even using Salesforce's native, just the, when you're looking at an article, and I was trying to change my rating. And I was like, I can't, I'm clicking on this, it's not working. What's going on here? Yeah. What rating system in the world? Name one doesn't let you change the damn rating that you gave it. What if you clicked wrong? There's five little stars all crammed next to each other. What if you clicked the wrong one on accident? I do that on Netflix all the time. I know. I accidentally five stars
1: and they're like, I didn't mean to rate that at all.
0: How does an enterprise article management content system that they paid for, wasn't in this internet or one of these things? This is an acquisition. How could it not support re-changing your rating? I don't know. It's a good idea, though. Therefore, it's the WTF of the week. Oh, and that you can't do that already. And it's under threshold. It's under point threshold. And this is not important enough. It's an article rating system. <laughs> How can it be under point threshold? Because it has not been lightningified. Oh, oh they may they may plan on replacing it with some lightning thing, yeah. right? Which which is why they're just saying, well, "We're not. We're just going to kind of ignore this for a while."
1: Oh, but doesn't I mean, that give them an out on this stuff? Like all these, I mean, is, it, isn't it going to kind of discourage? You know, ideas and things because they're like, well, we're 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 focused on lightning. We've already talked about that. We're focused on lightning. Well, we right. We'll get to that, but it's got to be lightning. They're not going
0: to put any major effort into adding features and enhancements on the classic platform. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's no future there. That's a dead end. So all you people, including us, who's still building Visual Force and all this crap on the classic, it's a dead end. You're getting closer and closer to having to rebuild that anyway. So let's talk about that.
1: I. I have this lingering question, how many people are actually using Lightning? Because every every, every project well, engagement I get, I get asked, I ask, are, is the client planning on using Lightning? Are they interested in Lightning? Have, are, are, you know, what are we doing here? Because I'm customizing Salesforce. Right. You know, do I have to be conscious of mobile or, or what? That's a part of my standard set of questions now. And more often, actually, I've never had one client say, we're using Lightning.
0: Well, because they can't yet. They can't or they don't want to or w- what's the issue? That you can't. You just simply can't use it, and I'm talking about the lightning. Ex- I mean, it's a problem. Lightning means, you know, a thousand different things. But you know, the lightning experience in in general is there's there's two there's there are too many you know roadblocks, showstoppers, th- you know, lack of issues that prevent lots of companies from using lightning, the lightning experience. Yeah, I mean, it'll get there. It, I just again, also just, be, I just wish that the messaging was more. That's the thing. Uh, down to earth. Yeah, I think, I think that's the my. Messaging that's is... really my only complaint. I continue to. I'll give them praise on doing this. It's very courageous to do this. They're ch- completely changing the interface. They're dropping support for browsers that were made a year ago. Yep. Um. They're moving everyone's cheese like to the other side of the planet. You got to give them props for that. That's a huge risk. They're putting a ton of money into it, and they're already not making money right Then they're're they're, they're just realizing it's crap i mean we we've, we've got to just invest in this we've got to even though it's going to hurt right. in so many ways and i I will give them credit for that, but what makes it ugh, hurt <laughs> and bothers you is that they're not their messaging is not honest no.
1: I mean, they're even kind of mischaracterizing things that are traditionally classic interfaces or applications as Lightning. They've pretty much gone full force with the Lightning and marketing. They've changed all their inter- their edition names, which is causing a lot of confusion. Um, there's going to be a price increase associated with that because of all the, the way they shuv- shuffled around the features and enabled new things. you are getting more functionality out of these. Yeah. But still, it's it's a kind of a, a kick saying, you know, you're, it's going to cost you more.
0: Yeah. No, I'm. That's fine. I'm. You know, I'm not one of these that says Salesforce is expensive. I mean, maybe you might. I mean, compared to what, right? What do you have that can replace Salesforce that's cheaper? And also, I mean, do you think Salesforce is just run completely inefficiently? I mean, at the prices they're charging you, they're still not making money. You want them to charge you less? They're going to go out of business. They're not. It's not expensive. If so, they wouldn't be signing nine-figure deals all the time or whatever, you know. They wouldn't have tens of thousands of customers. I mean, I, I get it's a lot. It can be, it can seem like a lot of money, you know. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not expensive. I'm just saying put it in context and understand the value. And if there's something better or as good that's cheaper, then, you know, go use it. Yeah. But is there? I don't know. It depends on what you're doing. I mean, yeah. that's, that's on the whole, that you could spend an hour talking about that.
1: Well, I, I think, I think, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Salesforce, Sells, it, sells itself as, first of all, a CRM and service and all those clouds, but it, on the other side of it, they're selling themselves as a platform that you can build and do things with, and I think as they get into more enterprises, they're looking for very industry-specific solutions. Yeah, And I know they're trying to get there and cater to that, but um, that's the hard sell as well, yep. is do you have something to offer this industry with the way we work? And a lot of that doesn't come down to data input and output comes down to integrations with systems that that industry depends on. Okay. Like the industry, the insurance industry has all these systems and, you know, data sources and things that they work with, um, you know, compliance things and government things and all those kind of things. And the health also the same story. They have all these things that they have to inter- integrate with and, and work with. But all Salesforce has given them is, is this interface with some fields that match the naming conventions that they have today. There's no real integrations there. Mm-hmm. There's no pre built saying, hey, we can connect to this system that everyone in the health industry has to
0: communicate with. Now, Salesforce says, go talk to the Meal, MealSoft guys. Yeah, for that. exactly. <laughs> Here's your yeah. go use the Informatica Cloud. That'll, that'll get the job done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, by the way, it,
0: seriously, it, if there's a choice between those, use MealSoft. <laughs> just, like, just saying. <laughs>
1: So I, th- I think you know, getting into the, a specific industry is more than just kind of wrapping your, your, you know, pre-building some field and some object and saying, "Here you go, this this tracks a patient or whatever." You know, it's got to connect to these other things that this industry needs.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's. And I'm a, trying to be non-specific here. I really, I really am. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a shallow view of the subtleties and the processes and right the the, the roles that are involved in yeah any of these verticals. But again, God, it just—I don't know how we got on the vertical thing. I actually, was kind of zoning for a second, which is why I probably might have been looking at you just with a blank face for a second there. But um, the the verticals—I mean, it's just—it's just part of Salesforce's going really broad and and going wide, right? Because they've got to increase their surface area as much as possible. It's—it's it's a revenue thing. They've yeah. got—I mean, if they, you know, again, I know I know I talk about this a lot, but they've gone from you know. They bragged about the 35% growth, and that's why their stock price was valued at what it was valued at. And now they're getting close to – down to 20%. And I think psychologically, if they drop below 20%, they're going to have a problem. Mm. Um, And that's why they – I mean, it seems like they've been throwing mud at the wall, does it not? Between the verticals and all these acquisitions and – the the such the premature things that that have been so hyped at dreamforce whether it's wave or iot or whatever and uh, they just they keep i don't
1: know i think they they need to be there they need to be part of that conversation they they but want to be leaders CPQ,
0: steel brick right i mean these all these things that there's they're going broad they're going up they're going vertical they're going down they're going every which way they're they they've they used to have this one net that they were dipping into the water to to catch the, the certain type of fish they want to catch and now they've just got this thing that just catches everything from
1: but Salesforce as a whole isn't valued for being a CRM. They're valued for their platform. That's what they sell. When, when Benioff goes to these investors... That's interesting and said, you say that. When Benioff goes to these investors and says, you know, we're not just a CRM application, we're this, we're this
0: platform. But if they're a platform, then why are they buying steel brick? You know, app, you know vertical specific applications.
1: They're just trying to meet customers' needs. I'm just saying, they're, they're constantly having to,
0: to do things. But, to, but to, who's not their customer? That's the thing. Now they're saying... Everything. Everyone's our customer. Oh, you you need an automotive repair r- application. Benioff, We're going to buy it. I mean, that's some, why
1: Benioff says they're worth seventy billion. Right.
0: <laughs> because because well, he he doesn't say they're worth seventy billion. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. He said it
1: plainly whenever he, that was his counteroffer to Microsoft's takeover. There, I think their valuation is that's around fifty was billion. Was that a which public is my, statement
0: he made? Because he he never acknowledged that there was any kind of I, offer. I no one was, acknowledged that.
1: N- I don't know. I all I heard was at the time, and what I recall from memory is that. Microsoft made a 50 50 billion bid and Benioff countered with a like a 70 billion
0: bid. I heard those were just rumors. Well, maybe they were. I, I never saw any, anyone acknowledge that. In well,
1: fact, it's it's going to be a rumor if it was closed talks. It's it's
0: never going to be confirmed. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Benioff said that we're worth, you know, 70 billion. He never comes out and says. I mean, that's not his job to come out and say he can't say that. I think that's against SEC rules. You can't come and say, "Well, we're we're worth $100 billion. You sh- you know, you should buy more of our stock." You know, he's not going to say that. He, he has indirect ways of saying that, you know, he talks about uh, leading fastest this and fastest of that and we're the leading in this and that and whatever. That's that's how he and
1: I think that answers part of your question, which is. You know, they're, they're doing these things, they're having to make these big statements, they're having to show that they're leading in the industry, they have to show that they're continuing to to advance the platform and, and quote unquote, innovate, um, put on a good show. Yeah, because the, they need to wow these investors. To keep their stock price right, up.
0: because again, and I'm, I'm kind of throwing these numbers out—they're uh, somewhat off the top of my head, although I think I'm in the ballpark. Based on how they're where they're valued at right now, they're basically worth fifty or sixty billion dollars. That's, that's their market capitalization. When things settle out, in order to earn that valuation, they basically need to be a twenty to thirty billion dollar company with about a ten percent net earnings. That's a long, we got a long way to go to get there, right? Right. If it appears that maybe we're not going to get there, you know, if we're down to 12% growth in revenue and we're and we're still not very profitable, not real profitable, you know, then that, that's when it's like, oh crap, are we not going to get there? Because we've all these, we as, you know, the stock market has been thinking, has been hoping and betting that it looks like sales. you know, Salesforce, they're this new type of company, they're cloud, they innovated, they it kind of pioneered this. They're becoming they've become they went from a CRM to a platform. Now they've got mm-hmm. the stuff, you know, and and now they've got, you know, the biggest deals and you know, the biggest government agencies buying Salesforce and the biggest companies all across the world. That's why they're that's why we are valuing them at $50 billion right now. But the question, but that's based on where we think they're going to be in three or four years. Yeah. I mean, that's always the bet in the market. And <laughs> and you don't want to give the stock market any idea that. Maybe you're not going to get there, in the way that they, everyone was betting that you would. Yeah, that's also probably why Benioff is every couple of days selling about a million or two worth of stock. You're going to sell it while while the price is up. (laughs) You know, I mean, cat. You know, he's slowly cashing out. He's not buying more stock. He's not buying stock. Salesforce isn't buying back stock, and as far as I can tell, none of the executives are. They're selling. Well, it's because it's a big part of their compensation package. Well, if yeah, it is. It's that's true. But they could hold that. And then if they listen, if you if you if you get stock as a part of compensation package, and right now it's worth a million dollars, but you might you think that five years from now that'll be that one million will be worth ten million. You're probably going to hang on to that as as much as you can. Yeah. But if you don't think it's going to be worth one million, if you think it might be (laughs) worth ten thousand, then you're probably going to start selling it. And if the whole world's watching you. You're going to put it on an automatic trickle plan so that doesn't raise any suspicions. Wow,
1: um, that, but that's you that, should qualify all this as very speculative and
0: opinionated. It, that we're not it's that. Not. and I'm I'm really speaking in generalities. Selling their stock or anything like that. That's for, the way executive. That's the way insiders have to sell stock. They can't. Yeah. You know, they have to sell it on these plans. It's it's nothing unusual. I'm just saying, Benioff certainly has a choice. If he thought Salesforce had a really big upside the stock, he probably wouldn't be selling as much stock. Which is total speculation. Or maybe his
1: selling selling is conservative to him. Maybe if he thought it was going to tank, he'd be selling a lot more.
0: Yeah, he's telling owns like 6% of the company. Yeah. He's got plenty of stock to sell, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, at, this, at these valuations, he's got a couple of billion dollars worth of stock to sell. Yeah. So, uh, All right. Well, John, do you have any um things you want to cover?
1: I do. I was just waiting for you to stop talking. I
0: mean, I'll keep going. That's the problem. So rude.
1: I'm trying not to interrupt you
0: because you always complain when I interrupt you. No, I just want don't want dead air. You have to you have to interrupt me if you want to get a word in. I like air. You know air. that. It's calming, it's peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> N- that's when people skip to the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't skip. Don't skip. I want to talk about trailhead.
1: Trailhead X. Trailhead DX. Trailhead no, X. Trailhead X. That's a, I don't get it. It's <laughs> Okay, so you want a WTS. It's like the t- it's, like it's like TEDx, John. Oh yeah, so they're kind of copying the that's TedX. That's why they thing. latched onto it so yeah. fast. Yeah. I have less respect for the name now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's also a very confusing name because Trailhead is not a developer-centric thing. It's a gamified learning system.
0: It's not yeah, it's not developer exclusive, although it certainly has developer trails. And and here's right?
1: here's the thing. Salesforce has really muddied what developer means and i don't mean that to slight anyone who's who's not a you know writing code i just mean it that it's hard to then understand what they mean when they say let's have a developer conference do you mean a what well, we'll say citizen developer conference where we can build things in salesforce or, or do you mean p- we're going to get into apex and visual force and lightning components
0: and didn't they declare the term declarative developer uh, i thought it was app builder was a new thing i don't know am i making that up declarative
1: developer Oh, yeah, that was a thing. Okay, that's so. a... I, I, I'm putting more... I, I'm going with the Gartner version of it, which is citizen developer. I, I like that better. Yeah.
0: So... What are we, alien developers? What are know. we, you know, for, foreign alien developers? What are we? <laughs> if we're not citizen developers. <laughs> uh, we're legacy developers. Oh, that doesn't sound good. I'm not a legacy developer. We're old
1: school, man. The world is moving on.
0: Oh.
1: There's going to be no more scripting yeah. or anything like that. That'll be the... <laughs> the little hackers in the back mm. corner. Everyone else is going to be using higher higher level languages. The
0: funny thing is, they've been saying this for, what, 60 years? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the bots will take over, yeah, and they will write right. the code for us. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, it's really confusing. And the, the other confusing part is that Salesforce hasn't told us anything about the event. They haven't told us what kind of sessions they're going to have, what kind of speakers you are going to have, whether there's going to be vendors, um, not even a, an agenda. So we don't even know if it's going to be, if it's a conference for discussing and sharing ideas about development or developing on the platform, or is it just another, is it a training class? Is it a training course? You could get there expecting a, some kind of well, okay, force experience and it's just nothing but a bunch of workstations and they're going, okay, let's learn how to do build lightning components. So I'm
0: going to, I'm going to argue with you here for a second. I just went to their website, by the way, based on how they, their, their font stylings, so I'm going to say this is pronounced. This is the official pronunciation. I'm just telling you right now. Trailhee DX. It's Trailhead X. <laughs> okay. Um, the, yeah. They, hey, uh, Salesforce Marketing Department. Uh, give me a call. I'm pretty good with Illustrator. I can, can fix this <laughs> up for you. Okay, so it's, it, says it's, it says it's a Salesforce developer conference, so it's specific for developers. Maybe what that's what the X means or the X factor. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't see that, could you?
1: Or it could be the Trailhead experience because we've said... Could X be. means
0: experience. And it says whether you're an experienced dev dev coder or ready to build your first app, Trill HeDX has a path for you. Adventure awaits. Okay, now you can sign up. Are you ready to hit the trail? Get notified when the registration opens. So they're, they're not you're not signing up. You're not paying money. They're not asking you to commit to anything. They're just saying, hey, we're building this. We we don't want to talk about specifics yet because they probably haven't decided all these things. If you're interested at all, Just give us your email address, and we will let you know when it opens, and we'll tell you more about it.
1: Sure. Very pragmatic response to that, Jeremy. Uh, Except that was me a week ago, because you know what happened this week? Nothing. They opened a pre-registration sign-in page where you get to put in
0: $200 on something
1: you don't know anything about and start arranging travel. Yeah.
0: Listen, do you not trust Salesforce? No. Okay, good. That's the right (laughs) answer. You shouldn't.
1: But there are people who are. There are people who are like all about, they're, they're gung-ho about it. They're screaming. They're like, yeah, yeah are the, you going to be Are you gonna be there? And their employer. You, you want to meet up over there? Their you employer wanna, probably let's pays go for there. it. Let's go meet up. Let's have some coffee and drinks. And they're Listen, excited and ecstatic, but they don't even know what they're going for. If I had a real job and someone was paying for it, I would be doing the same thing. I guess. I just I just don't understand. I mean, it, uh, okay, here's what I'm going to say about it. I'm, I'm going to get past my, my issues here, my anger <laughs> issues here. I'm going <laughs> to calm down.
0: Should we go sit on the couch, Sean? <laughs>
1: I'll take a deep breath. Sit on the I'm couch. Calm down. So, from what I understand, and they have really told us nothing about this, but it is a pilot event, is what they're calling it.
0: Who runs Trailhead?
1: Uh, it's, it's it uh, used to be it has Adam to do with, It doesn't have nothing to do with Trailhead. Well, we should, I, it's just a name <laughs> they picked. It's a name they picked. They liked the name. It resonated well with their with their current marketing strategy. They should have called it Trailhead Lightning. <laughs> there were other names they're considering. That this is actually. <laughs> probably more in line with the Salesforce theme than, than some of the other names they came up with. I don't care about the name. What I care about is what kind of conference this is going to be. Because you and I have said we'd love to have a very developer-centric conference, you know, something where we can actually get in and meet and talk to the product managers and even the sale, the, the software engineers that work on the platform and just learn and and network with these guys and communicate and bond with them, you know, just create this nice community out of it. Yeah. Um, but we don't get that. When when you go to Dreamforce and all these other events, you get a very sales-heavy conference. And I think what I'm looking for is something... You do realize what the name of the company is, right? Okay. Just I, saying. I'm just saying. I'm just telling you what I want. That's
0: why they call Dreamforce uh, a conference where salespeople are, are selling to salespeople.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, do so it's a pilot event. So here's, here's my thought on it. If it's not going to be a financial burden to you and it's not going to be a burden to your family to leave your home and travel to San Francisco for probably four days. Be realistic, even though it's only a two-day event. You right. don't know anything about it. There's no agenda, so you you don't know if you can fly in the day of and leave the day of. So you probably need to plan on flying in the night before and leaving the, the day after, which means you're going to have to pay for, what, three, four nights? Three nights? Um, yeah. You'd yeah, probably three nights. get three nights. Um, but because it's a pilot, that's going to shape what this conference is going to be. If, if a lot of... If a lot of a citizen developers show up to this, then that's going to shape what this conference is going to be. It's going to be a conference geared towards declarative programming. If a lot of, you know, programmers, Apex developers, Lightning developers, um, a lot of those guys show up, then that's going to shape the conference.
0: The the runway is awfully short. June 7th. I mean, that's... It is. And that's the other factor. I mean, you have about a month month. to try to arrange travel. It's in
1: San Francisco, which means...
0: Wait, wait. When is WWDC?
1: I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I have I have seen June thirteenth to seventeenth. Okay, so it's the week before WWDC. Okay. I have heard that prices are are still high in I'm terms right. of hotel lodging, all that kind of stuff. Oh, I,
0: I don't think it's any. I don't think it's ever less than about five hundred bucks a night. In San that, Francisco. That's what people
1: are reporting. Yeah, and it's it's kind of becoming a concern because okay, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to put my registration fee in, but the plane ticket and the hotel are going to cost me more than
0: this event. As as I've heard people say, every night, you know, just for the privilege of laying your head down at night in San Francisco, every every night you need a place to say is an is an Apple Watch. A what? An Apple Watch. An Apple Watch. If you just think of it in terms of cost of an Apple Watch, every night, every the, night, every night you'd be buying yeah, every an Apple Watch every night. day. Yes. <laughs> if you think about it like that, like, God, that is. I guess.
1: So I I so so from my perspective, if you can make it, definitely try to go. If if. You know, if it's not going to be a burden to you or your family or anybody else, because you probably can can, and will shape what this conference will be moving forward, um, I, I I don't think they even know what they want this conference to be. They just know that they feel like this it needs to happen. My question to you is, from our perspective, our job roles, what we do on a day-to-day basis, what would a good developer conference look like in the Salesforce world?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um I don't know. I mean, everyone has different opinions on conferences. Some people like the, we have defined tracks and some people like the open space conference where the first thing you do when everyone gets there is you put up a bunch of topics up and the people, the attendees get to basically pick and vote on what the topics the, are. Yeah. yeah I and mean, it's kind of open space. And
1: um, Do you think it should have a strong kind of learning aspect or you think it really should be more about socializing and networking and
0: talking to people? Not like sit in a room and listen to an instructor and learn. No. that Because, yeah. well... Well, in this case, it'd be sitting in front of a computer staring at a well, screen. Well, the problem with that is some people learn well that way, but only a certain percentage of people. People learn in such different ways. It's, I think, it's much better to um, use a conference like that to give people early access to information. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe some cool demos or um, yeah, a keynote like developer type keynotes where they're demoing, showing how new things might work or what the possibilities are. And then also just the connections, like letting people connect with not only the people who have built this technology, the people that work at Salesforce, you know, product managers and, and engine, just blind engineers or whoever, whoever Salesforce is willing to put out there, but also um, just peer connections. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things.
1: I mean, I like the idea of being able to kind of socialize more. I, I like the idea of driving the topics, but I also think, you know, in terms of development and things, oftentimes an hour is not enough to convey how something was built or how the decisions that went behind something, uh, it ends up becoming this really fast paced PowerPoint of buzzwords or really quick statements about something. You never really get to get in depth on a topic. You know, maybe you want to know more about the chatter API and how it was built and why it was built the way it was and how, how it's going to be shaped in the future. You know, trying to get that from like an hour long presentation is really difficult. Right. You know, so I think, I think a conference that specializes in a, you know, a certain genre, like, you know, developers developing on that kind of stuff could be beneficial.
0: I do too. And I mean, I think as Dreamforce is just, it's so big that yeah. it really precludes a lot of that type of stuff.
1: And it does feel like the topics, a lot of them are, are really, they're kept high level. Um, even though you try to get into more details, you just find that the time just doesn't work. And I, I think, you know, something more open, where you can kind of just come into an area and really just kind of pick apart you know, a certain topic or a certain, you know, component of the application.
0: Um, and also, how about a conference where not, you know, less than 80% of people are wearing suits? Yeah, very much. I mean, these developers thing. or what? What the hell? Yeah. Come on. I mean, if you like That's wearing huge suits, red and if you me, suits nah, every day. I know. I don't, you know, I'm, it's not that. It's not that I'm, it's just that when 80% of people are wearing suits, it's, I mean, a lot of developers are just like, oh, this is not the conference. Well, because.
1: For me. Y- at yeah, Dreamforce, and, and in my opinion, if you're going to Dreamforce and you're wearing a suit, it's either a, you really like looking you're, a certain way, or, you're or sell,
0: b, you're a salesperson. Or b,
1: you're you're representing a company. You're not necessarily representing you're yourself. You're selling stuff,
0: right? You're there to sell.
1: And I think you know a good developer conference, you need to go and represent yourself, and you know not really represent yourself, but be there for you. Be there to. No, to I
0: feel like I'm at an Amway conference when I'm there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So, I don't know. I'm hopeful that it might turn into something, and if it doesn't, I'll announce this here. We should have a good day, sir, conference. We'll kickstart it, (laughs) and we'll just have our own good day, sir, conference here in Dallas. That would be cool. Things like this have happened
0: before. Uh, Let's see. What else do we have? We talked about Slack. Hmm. So, speaking of, I'd mention Adam Seligman a minute ago because he, didn't he run Trailhead? I I don't know the origins of Trailhead. <laughs> I really don't. I thought I thought he did. He was a developer relations guy, and I know he was involved in Trailhead. But anyway, he when they when the other guy left, who ran the App Cloud, the Heroku guy. Mm. I'm horrible they, names. They promoted. Yeah, I don't remember his name either. They promoted Adam to take his place, though. Now you, but you know, you're familiar with Adam, right? I mean, just through the community and Twitter and things. Yeah. Adam Seligman? Okay. Anyway, so there's this article. Um, how uh, Salesforce, how the platform builds new software. And they, you know, he's quoted a lot in this. So that's what made me think of that. But uh, uh, it starts off, you know, if if Salesforce, well, this is not, this is kind of not how it starts off, but I'm jumping ahead already. If Salesforce was initially known as a CRM, then, uh, sorry, a CRM organization, then today the firm insists it has become thicker and wider. (laughs) Odd word choice. Um, Indeed, be professional, the professional Jeremy. I'm. I'm. I am being professional. I didn't say anything. Uh, in a bit, who wants to be thought of as wide? That's the thing. Like, no, I'd like to be thought of as not quite as wide as slim, what, trim, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed, the firm insists that it is a platform and claims to have thousands of ISVs. I wish. I wish I had live reverb. I. I lost all that when I don't have the mixer anymore. You know, oh, I was that? wondering
1: why we haven't done that in a while. I know. I need to. I need. I don't it
0: used have to be that. your thing. Well, because we went with this. This doesn't do this doesn't have any kind of live live uh, CPU running on it, unlike some of those other ones that mm. cost a lot more, but maybe I can get some little outboard reverb yeah. box. A reverb box. <laughs> <laughs> Thousands of ISVs on his platform via the app exchange. Um, quote from Seligman. Seligman insists that the platform question has been put to rest. And it claims that he grew the Salesforce development community from six hundred thousand to 2.3 million during his five-year tenure in his previous role. Hmm. Um, now, I, I don't know where I read this, but I read somewhere that IDC, I think it was IDC or Forrester, or one of these guys, they think there's probably 20 million software developers in the world. And okay. 2.3 million of them are Salesforce developers. Salesforce also states that the company has more than 5.5 million apps developed on the Salesforce App Cloud. Again, we we, <laughs> we think those are developer accounts. I mean, what is that? What is five point five million apps? I mean, app exchange has because well, it could just okay. be the tab. It's it's just it, well, let's they look could at, just
1: have they they know that I, someone yeah, has customized right. Some, the tab. That's
0: what someone pointed out. Salesforce does call that when you create a new yeah. dropdown of of a set of tabs. That that's is an app. That's called <laughs> <laughs> you know they wish they could take that one back.
1: I don't think so. Oh, not they not when they can claim fifteen. Well, million. I know,
0: but I'm, that's you. I guarantee you, they wish they could. They wish they would have called that something else because that was before you could really build apps. I think they, they, they had hey, that. If I was
1: in Salesforce shoes and I was coming up with those numbers, I'd count it. I mean, technically, you organized a, a group of functionality into a single purpose. Yeah, there's but, an application. But,
0: yeah, so they're talking about AppCon and It says, but what is it? And how how does it work? And do programmers actually think of it as a software platform with a corresponding runtime? And a set of tools in the same way they talk about Java, for example. Can we answer that now? Yeah. No. We don't. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a straightforward answer to that. It's a it's a it's a gray area.
1: I don't think of it that way. You don't
0: think it's a runtime? That's a
1: runtime. They have a runtime. We don't have a runtime. Can we just run and execute our code and let it sit in there running? No, we have to In the cloud. We we respond to events. We are, we are writing bots. <laughs> we are doing nothing but responding to Salesforce events. It's a runtime in the cloud. The right?
0: cloud is kind of BS. Oh, but it's still a runtime in the cloud. Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, you write code and it runs <laughs> on their runtime. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's not, I don't feel
1: like it's my environment. I don't feel like it, the it's stuff got, I'm writing is... is.
0: It's got tools and APIs and... <sighs> okay. I mean, okay. that's what I'm saying. It's It's... I'm, just I'm a, making the my, point that it's my not, perception of it is—is is, my answer is no. The, the 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 possible answer set here is not binary. It's not—it's not a yes and it's not a no. Fine, then I'm gray. Okay. Sellingman is fast to point us to Force.com, which doesn't come on Adam. Even you should know it's not called Force.com anymore. I thought we retired that term. What is it now? I forgot. Lightning. It's the App Cloud. Oh, that's right, the App Cloud.
1: Yep. Or it's the
0: Salesforce One platform. Or the Lightning platform, or the Salesforce One Lightning platform. It's not Salesforce One anymore
1: because they they screwed that one up.
0: Is the mobile app not called Salesforce One? It is, but
1: Salesforce One was supposed to be Salesforce One, the entire thing, but everyone, because of the way they they released it and talked about it and
0: Salesforce One Lightning. I (laughs) was (laughs) like,
1: Salesforce One is mobile.
0: Oh, anyway, he calls it a low code, in quotes, a low code platform, app development platform. The term itself refers to software application development where a large degree of the base components part, component parts. What is this term component parts? Aren't those, aren't those synonyms? Isn't that redundant? Is it called, you could call it a part component. Good. <laughs> anyway, a large degree of the base component parts <laughs> are already catered for and provided. The coding instead comes in the form of what we're supposed to call intelligent customization designed Ooh. to reflect... <laughs> <laughs> designed i designed ref- designed to reflect actual line of business goals.
1: Mm. So we've been writing bots since since way back when. We yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Sorry I had to had to take a note. Um where was I? According to oh here we go. According to Forrester the $1.7 billion low-code platform market, this is actually a market that analysts track, the low-code platform market, and Salesforce claims to own a third of it, will explode to $15 billion market by 2020, which is what, only, that sounds like forever ago, or from, from now, but that's, what, three years away? Yeah. So it's going to go from a $1.7 billion market to a $15 billion market. Well, that's how they get to $10 billion right there. Just take a few of those billion. A few here and there. Um, Here we go. Here's here's an Adam quote. And Adam, you know, he's he's a nice guy. I think he's a nice guy. But boy, get ready for this quote from him. You ready? Okay. Every CIO is chasing a digital transformation. The key to that is apps. The motor that's changed the how we do everything from hailing cabs, buying groceries, and running entire companies. Our mission is simple help companies to build the next generation of apps that connect with their customers in a whole new way. AppCloud eliminates the hurdles, infrastructure, technology, skill sets that have slowed and hobbled enterprise app development.
1: Wow. I don't know what to say about that.
0: Yeah, those those technologies that you use and and those skills that you build, you don't need those. No. (laughs) Who needs skill? No, you just need a (laughs) mouse. Uh, this this, this kind of goes back to the, I mean, I like some of what Salesforce is doing and I get it, um, but the rhetoric is, it's so misleading. That's my problem with it. I don't want to say they're lying. It's just kind of misleading. Yeah. If you don't know, if you're somewhat naive or if you haven't been in this for 13 years like we have, it's, you might, you might believe what they're saying. That is another quote I pulled out. There's a there's a mountain of new technologies to play with in this space. We, oh, that's this is why I quoted this one. We pioneered containers and the whole space of Docker. Oh my God, Docker. That's from Adam. Oh <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure that Docker. Created Docker. Coin Dockers. <laughs> Docker lightweight containers. What was it? Dot Cloud. It was Dot Cloud, right? That's what they were called. Anyway. Yeah, as, as uh, here we go. As per IDC's last count, who did I say, IDC or Forrester? I don't know. There are, there are 20 million software developers in the world. Um, I guess this is Adam. No, this is a, for the analyst. He claims that, oh no, Adam, his firm is providing, quote, a snapshot from the future. From the future. From the future. From the future. <laughs> that was a <laughs> manual reverb. <laughs> because not everyone who builds apps on AppCloud is an expert programmer and that's by design. End quote.
1: <laughs> but okay, so the, and that's by design was part of the quote. Yeah, so they do want to code us set up a job,
0: and, and they no, don't want I, us. I don't think so. They, I mean, don't, they don't want us to. I don't even believe that. They don't even. They, they
1: change what developers are. They don't. They don't need us script mm. kiddies anymore.
0: No, what they want to do is convince buyers of technology services that this is not something that requires really expensive people, even though it actually does.
1: Well, they're trying to offset this. Salesforce is expensive, but you don't need these expensive developers. Right, right. So
0: now it's cheaper. But the truth is, is smart people are always going to be needed. And when you get into sufficiently complex situations, you need solid engineering, solid practices, solid people. Yeah. And it's never cheap. You get what you pay for. Uh, okay. But away from vendor-specific talk like this, we know that coders list Java and other language competencies on their resumes Above vendor specific skills. Like, you know, if I know Java .NET, that's more important than if I know um Informatica or Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It's considered a in you know, a higher level, like a more important, more fundamental skill. And does, the question is, does Seligman realistically ever think this can change? And here's what Seligman says. I studied as a computer science scientist, as a computer scientist and languages. So many and in such variety are core to how we are trained. Language skills will always be an important skill. But the cloud, mobile, and social revolution has taught us the end result, which is the app, is something that matters. Smart engineers who understand customers are at the heart of the products they build will do well, and I think we have a great chance to grow our footprint with this audience. Nobody's going to pry JavaScript out of developers' hands. Our play is to embrace every language and framework. Uh, Well, you're not doing that. While also bringing lightning development to the table where you can rapidly click instead of code... Hey, John, I'm just working. You know what I'm doing? I'm rapidly clicking. I'm clicking. <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys didn't have to look at Jeremy while he did that. <laughs> yeah. You can rapidly click instead of code. Hey. <laughs> okay. I'm just giving Adam a hard time. Like I said, he's he's a smart guy. Nice guy. But he's in a very, he runs a business now. He runs AdCloud. Yeah. And so he's, you know, he's the, so he's gotta, he's the he's, message guy now, he's right?
1: got to build that message, that yeah. uh, package it up and sell it. He is the message guy. Yeah. but uh, it, it's, it's not, it's kind of that old school rhetoric though. It's not, it's not the stuff we're seeing from, you know, other places where they're kind of embracing open technologies. They're being honest about what their system can do and what it can't do and, and the things they're trying to do to embrace those technologies. This is kind of more of a, a slap in the face, saying, "Yeah, those skills are still valuable, but you know what? We want everyone point pointing and clicking."
0: Again, I, I just—I I, I already said what I think this is. I just think they're when they're selling to CIOs, CMOs, CEOs, you know, yeah,
1: senior I mean, directors. Keep in mind the context and they're who they're just, trying to talk to. They are, but still,
0: right? They're trying to make this. They're trying to sell this as a platform where it. Pr- You don't have to have that whole department of software engineers anymore. Yeah, you need some smart guys, maybe some coders. Some coders. Some declarative developers. But the platform does so much for you that you can uh, just uh, snap these lightning components together. Okay. You can can click rapidly. Yeah. (laughs) And you're good to go. (laughs) Of course, that's not the case, right? I mean, it's just not. Yeah, just... And it never is going to be. But, you know... It's never going to be fun to express a complex and big problem in squares and diamonds with lines connecting them. That's never going to be sufficient. I don't know. John's in deep thought. <laughs> I like squares and diamonds. There's just it, There'd be so many of them. You print them out, it'd be, you know, I mean, it's too much. It's too big. It's not concise. It's not. not, concise. It's, not I mean, it's not re. You know, you don't get reuse. You don't get. There's it, so much. I mean, it's just, if the world not,
1: and business could distill their entire process in a single clear flow chart, well, software wouldn't have to be as complex. Y- no, but no, that's you not can. The you can.
0: You can. You can. I mean, code is. Look, think about. Think about what happens when a software program executes or is compiled. The code gets first parsed and lexed, and and then an abstract syntax tree is built. That's mm-hmm. that is your squares and diamonds with lines connecting them. Right. yeah but it just turns also... out that on sufficiently complex problems code is actually much easier to read and reason about than a giant set of thousands of squares and diamonds is
1: yeah but we we compartmentalize, we compartmentalize everything when we code we 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 get our inputs from a single spot and then we get our outputs and we we and then we start building on top of that and that has its own input and output structure and the flow charts and business operations don't work that way there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of Guessing and percentages of, you know, if this, then that, then this, and this, and this. And it, it the cloud of decision making gets really big. And the way, the reason our code is easy, is more easily readable is because we have to distill that down to very simple if then structures. Hmm. And so we do the work of simplifying their process, we do the work of trying to make more sense out of it. Um, whereas if you're just dragging and dropping a bunch of cloud or objects and everything, it gets really complex and you're not able to read it because there's no defined structure to it. It's a mind map.
0: Right. I mean if a good software engineer does their job well, they have taken something complex and presented it in a simple way. Exposed to simple. But even within that complexity
1: it. you have to make trade-offs. You have to make Absolutely. You know, compromises.
0: And that honestly that's that's what separates I think a good, you know, like i I'll say software engineer, but anyone, I, could be almost any any role, a good project manager is having that wisdom and experience cuz you are always making trade-offs, right? And yeah. I don't care if someone's given you a stack of requirements that's You know, 10 feet high. There are still all sorts of little gaps in there that you have to fill with your own decision making. Right. And those are all trade offs. And doing that right can make the difference between, you know, success and failure. And that's hard to, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's somewhat rare, but it's also sometimes can be hard to judge and hard to, I don't know. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Uh, We have more questions for you. For me? Yeah, we've, we've got to get through these. We're we're running short on time. So, John, it's been, uh, let's see, let me let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, wrong Slack team. All right. Oh, this is another one from Stephen Noe. Uh, it's been about a year since you were announced as an MVP. Has it been a year? Coming uh, up on a year, well, I guess. Coming up on a year. Okay. I think I was fall. And so, uh, Stephen says, I'd be curious to hear about your experience with the program thus far. (laughs) So I can, I can only assume he's talking about what's it been, you know, uh, what, what's the experience been like? Um, was it what you thought it was? Are you, how are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying it? What have you gained from it? How's it changed how you work or? So it it's it's kind of hard
1: to express, but I'll start with it hasn't really changed anything that I do day to day. I'm pretty much doing the same things I've always done. Um, it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. You know, a lot of a lot of people are making jokes about, oh, get ready to work, get ready to work hard, get ready to do this, get ready to do that, get ready to and really everything within the program is optional. If there's an event coming up and you want to attend and you wanna be available, there's no one twisting my arm saying, Hey, you gotta be there. Or if there's some kind of local event and I, I, can, I just can't make it, there's no one saying, you better make it or else, you know. There's none of that, which, which is kind of reassuring because I was kind of, I kind of felt like, okay, I, I got this award and now I'm going to have to do all this extra work and all this extra stuff, and it really hasn't been that. Um, the other the other part of it that's kind of difficult for me is the program is in this kind of transition phase. There's, there's new people coming in to run it. Um, They're still trying to figure out how better to communicate with us and, you know, how to notify us of upcoming events or upcoming technologies and things like that, that we can kind of help communicate with everyone. So within that, it's kind of been difficult to try to stay up on everything.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like it's an always evolving program, right? They're probably trying to find ways to improve it and make communications better and make it more meaningful and. Yeah, the other
1: thing is there were there were all these kind of committees, and I think there still are these committees within the group that kind of try to focus on certain areas of, I don't know, either the program or just communication and things like that. That I was told I would be included in, or like subcommittees, kind of something like yeah. that. Um, but it never happened. So I'm a lot of times I'm just kind of out here, just going, okay, hey, I'm I'm an MVP, cool, yeah, and I'm just doing my thing. Still, I haven't really added to my responsibilities. I haven't really gone out and done a lot of extra things. Um, they have provided, on occasion, they'll provide some extra information. They'll have some kind of webinar that it kind of helps helps us. Usually, it's a pain point within Salesforce. They want to communicate out, and a lot of times, they'll reach out to the MVPs to kind of help communicate that.
0: Yeah, they're going to kind of honestly use you as, 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 yeah. a, as somewhat of a mouthpiece. So, so recently,
1: I mean, it was a lot of confusion around the Lightning editions and things. Yeah. So they had they had a session on that, and they'll have some more things on, on Lightning and editions and technologies and all those kind of things that they'll kind of bring up to us and kind of say, here's what we're thinking Um, a lot of times they will reach out to us for opinions on things Um, you know just what we think what you know of something they're trying to do or something they're planning on doing yeah Um, but overall I mean it's it's been a good experience there's some perks that come with it you know there's you know getting getting to be a part of the community getting to know some of these people that are really active on Twitter or in the community or you know produce some really good developer tools like Maven's mate and things like that, that yeah you know you get to be a part of that group
0: and it sounds like it's, you know, everyone's in a different situation. It's a different work situation and, and had a different path through their career. And, and it's going to be some, one of these things that you can kind of use it at whatever level and, and engage with it at whatever level makes sense for you. Some people are high engagement. Some people are, hey, I'm just going to, I mean, I was voted for MVP just because of the stuff I was already doing. It was just kind of an acknowledgement of that, which is the kind of the aspect I tried to focus on. So I'm yeah. just going to keep doing those things. I'm just going to keep being me, doing my things. And, you know, maybe you can uh, jump on some you know conference calls or and they isn't there an annual thing or is that not? You said it's not happening this year, right? The the retreat. Yeah, the, or I mean, whatever? there used
1: to be something they called the summit where they they would summit every year, bring everyone together. But the revival, the revival. <laughs> but that's not happening, and I don't know if it's just because of funding or because of all the reorganization they're doing internally with this group. And I'm I'm not even sure what it's going to look like yeah. a year from now, right? Um. And honestly, you know, you come up for renewal every year. So if you make it one year, there's no guarantee you'll, you'll, the stuff you're doing will continue to be impactful enough to, to stay an MVP. And I'm okay with that. I think, you know, at least getting recognized and having that award this time, um, was great. And if I don't make it another year, that's fine. If I do great. But, um, it it definitely wasn't what I expected. I think you remember when I first got it, I was really nervous and I was kind of stressed about it because I was, I was, wasn't sure what to expect. And and honestly the onboarding for MVP sucked. Sucked really bad. Hmm. I mean, half the people unless you're really big on the community, like you were really impactful in the the, the the actual community, no one really knew who I was. No one really kind of I mean, there was others that knew who I was who helped vote me in. Mm-hmm. But the the general the actual Salesforce people really didn't know who I was, really didn't know much about me, I felt. And there wasn't really a lot of engagement with me to say, Hey, you know, welcome. This is the things we can we want you to do or we want to include you in or here's what we're about there was none of that so uh-huh. i was just kind of blindly kind of okay. feeling my way through it trying to talk to people you know shells in it so i try to you know shell would kind of give me some advice here and there but for the most part there really was no good onboarding process no one took me under their wing and said here's here's what we're about and here's what we're going to do and here's some of the fun things you can do it's just it wasn't like that so that part really sucked yeah
0: i really felt like i was just kind of out in the ether and that could be one of those things that they're they're working on. Again, I, I you know, I think the MVP program, it's I think it's obviously beneficial for the MVPs. Um you know, most people I think who have who've been voted in as MVPs are people who have spent an enormous amount of their own time and slash money, whatever, right? Yeah. Time is money. On Salesforce, helping in the community, helping people out, you know, uh dispersing information, whatever. Um and it's just a, a way for Salesforce to recognize that. I do think that Salesforce gets a huge benefit from the MVPs. Um, and again, I said earlier, you know, they kind of use you guys, can use you guys as, as a mouthpiece. And, I, and that sounds derogatory. It didn't really mean it derogatory. It's just that if there is some confusion or some clarity that needs to be brought to something, well, they probably are going to you guys and said, hey, let, let's clarify this. Because you guys are out there in a the community and we want to make sure that you've got the best information. Right. Or at least in what Salesforce thinks is the best information. You know, right. Their version of the best information. <laughs> exactly. Which is what it is, right? Um and that makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I mean, you guys are out there. You're um, uh, what's a good word for it? You're amb- ambassadors, kind of. that's, that's a probably a good way to say it. As it's an ambassador. A, it's yeah. a it's a it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, and you know, you might get flown out to somewhere every now and then. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. All right, so I had um some summer '16 stuff, but you didn't really read really the release notes yet, and I've only kind of skimmed them. So, and we're low on time. So I'm going to just, we'll leave that for next week or something, some other time. Yeah, we can do this next. I do have one more thing, though. Inquiring minds. Again, I got to credit this, too, since I've been crediting people. (laughs) Dennis Wilson would like to know. Is that that cork sound real, or is that just on the soundboard? (laughs) And the answer to that is, I do not have a cork sound on the soundboard. (laughs) (laughs) That is real. I
1: choose not to answer that question. um,
0: it's, it's, a, it's a corked iced tea that John brings yep. for the episodes. It tastes better when it's corked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keeps it fresh. It does.
1: And to that I say, good day, sir.
0: <laughs> you get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir! of the ground beef we buy at the supermarket contains something he calls pink slime. Eat up that pink slime, it's good for you.
1: It's beef, it's on the label. It's a beef product, it says beef. This is beef. It's beef. Bitch, look it up, it's science. Oh my gosh. (laughs)